0: The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation. Dad, don't you dare take the switch to China or I'll kill you.
1: (laughs) Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike
0: Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss the difficulty in teaching in a hybrid system. The most ridiculous educational buzzwords of 2020. Congratulate the top 30 K through 12 IT influencers. And our guest this week is educator and author Becky Keane.
1: The Becky Keene. Yes. So which generation of gaming did you start in? I love this tweet. Yeah. Yes. What I actually love more about this this tweet, and we'll we'll share the tweet in the show notes, is that the original tweet um was like a, clearly written by like a millennial. Yes, um, totally because, they were like Let's because go it old started school. It <laughs> started like way too like <laughs> late in like we're we we're in our forties. Yes. And it's like <laughs> what? <laughs> where's
0: where's where's our machines
1: (laughs) so someone like someone tweeted down later i'm gonna like i fixed it for you bro and it's like it's so it added a whole bunch of levels so so h is like the coleco atari Mm uh g is like um in uh nintendo entertainment system sega Um, Sega Genesis, I guess it is. H, uh, or sorry, F is the Sega Saturn and the Super Nintendo. Um, E is PlayStation 1, Mm. um, the Dreamcast, and the Nintendo 64. Uh, D is GameCube, PlayStation 2, Xbox, uh, C, um, PlayStation Plus, or PlayStation...
0: Yeah, Pro. Maybe? Is that what
1: it's called? PSP. Uh, PSP. I know PSP. it's called the PSP. Is it, is it plus, plus or, pro? or Pro?
0: Not sure. But uh, yeah, I'm no not we, sure. The PSP, the
1: handheld. So handheld. Thing. Yep, yep. Uh, DS. Um, B is Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, Nintendo Wii.
0: That looks like a Wii. A, yeah.
1: And A is uh, Switch, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. And I'm definitely a G.
0: You're a G. Uh the yeah. original Sega or Sega Genesis.
1: So it's funny that you say that because <laughs> neither. I didn't have a you played Sega, right? I think yes, we covered this before. And I was definitely I, I have never I never owned a Sega console at all. I was mm. a Nintendo. Yes. A, and then I went to Super Nintendo. Did you go from Genesis to Saturn? Actually. Or did you then switch to
0: a Super Nintendo? There's a machine that's not on H that should be there it's called the intellivision yes it, yes you have you heard of that one mike yeah where the, it had paddles uh um, yeah and you switched you out of those, eh? the controller thing yeah and basically what game you were playing came with a little uh uh let's call it an overlay <laughs> where you put it over your your controller and then you had new controls basically and tons of little buttons uh to be able to push on the television that would be the old old school one the first ones that i remember playing are on uh games that were those but i didn't own one of those i owned the first thing i owned was a sega genesis but that was like my early teens you know yeah kind of that that age
1: did you not own a console in any of these generations
0: except for the oldest one because we 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 did I went to friends' yeah. house that had those except you know the for that oldest, one. the Atari one that kind of generation every other one I've owned or actually I, I still or I still own them
1: <laughs> That's interesting. I missed e completely. So I do not have a PlayStation 1.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Or Dreamcast or uh, a nintendo 64 Dude, so i missed that generation entirely you, you
0: you did a good job because i bought the dreamcast and it was super oh, expensive Oh, that's like classic and it was bad it was a it was a bad console unfortunately it, it didn't have very good didn't games. last very long uh it didn't last very long um it was it was hyped up though i mean because yep. you know it came out and but i did have a playstation one also uh that was really really awesome
1: Another trip down memory lane related yeah. to this that's gotten me thinking is what is the first one of these that you spent your
0: own money on? Um probably the I mean the first one that I bought was the Sega Genesis. It was with so you my bought own a money. Sega Genesis on your didn't own money? Yeah, I w- I was uh, I was out uh, uh grinding the work since an yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. early age. And Newspapers I think, or washing I think, cars or uh, um, i i i have had some weird jobs uh i worked as a summer as a janitor or a custodian at a sure. elementary school um and i was only like 14 years old it was a specific program that you could work before like the legal age in the united states to be able oh, to work um and then i did normal those normal uh, fast food jobs once i got a car you know sure i worked at arby's i worked as a uh, as a line cook at denny's all kinds of stuff like that but i remember buying that the genesis and that was an expensive purchase it was like yeah yeah, yeah. they were all in the four hundred and twenty hundred and forty bucks maybe oh, maybe it more had to be even more than that maybe more i can't remember what it was but it was a lot of money that i had to yeah. s- save up to be able to buy that and then but you were so pumped man and well then that, done and then that controller it, i still i still have some because my kids play like uh, sonic the, the hedgehog and some other games on them but the way they have an a b and c button sure <laughs> like laid across the thing horrible big chunky controllers you know <laughs> but they were cool you know back then how about you the, which the did you spend one, money on
1: the first one i spent with my own money i think had to be the playstation 2 yes um, I bought like the Gran Turismo pack, Ooh, babe. the bundle that had, I can't remember if it was, it had to be Gran Turismo 2. Yes. Um,
0: uh, PlayStation funny, 2 fu- is a really, whew, that it was, was a, yeah, it was, it was, was a, a super it, was the, it was a big up. deal. Yeah.
1: Um, I got, it's funny actually, and this kind of dates me or at least tells you how long I've been married, yeah. but my best man bought me a PlayStation, a PSP. Oh, cool. Um, as a wedding present.
0: Man, that's a uh, great best man.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we were both gamers and that was yeah. kind of really our biggest one of our biggest connections. So yeah. and then I've definitely owned I have I I, I have actually I have a first gen PlayStation 3. Mm. That is sitting right up there above my head that we um, don't use anymore because mm. it's actually worth money because it's one of the ones that's backwards compatible. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And and uh, is they took that feature away after a while they like hot fixed it or whatever. Mm. Um, so it's 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 special and it's got like the the old school hard drive in it and stuff. So it's it's actually rare ish. Mm. Uh, it's it's actually. I should clarify the reason why it's rare, though. Yeah, is because it's it's one of the ones that you could install Linux on. Oh, do you wow. remember that?
0: Oh, did you wow. know that you no, could I install
1: the old school PlayStation threes? You could install Linux on them, and there's actually like some really interesting stories of how, like the the classic one I think is the U.S. Air Force. Yeah, bought bought like eighty PlayStation threes and like linked them all together in a network. Okay. And ran Linux on them and used it as like a server, like as a mainframe sort of thing. <laughs> it's true because it was like an inexpensive computing yeah. source. Yes. Uh, system. Um, yeah. This is legit. I'm not joking you. I believe you. I believe you. You, you, believe guys you. Guys can you know every, about this. Can, can <laughs> go look it up, listeners. You'll, you'll see. It's true. Uh, but bizarre. So I yeah. have an old school PlayStation 3. It's, um, it's kept safe and it's... Uh, I I know it's I know it's it, you gotta pass got it down value. to the kids yes. yeah 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 <laughs> so um and then I, we have multiple we have multiple we actually have multiple PlayStation threes and I think I have a PlayStation four actually yeah. the one thing that we have a lot of now are switches mm. we it's, actually have more so than good. one switch I think we actually have two of the real switches and yeah. a switch light because yeah. we we don't share them well in this house. <laughs> Stay off my switch, <laughs> with the two boys in particular, of course, and, then, of and then the big boy yes. here. Um, oh yeah, the big boy the sharing the sharing. <laughs>
0: well, because Daddy yeah, was yeah. taking
1: the switch yeah, on, on trips, his trips, on business trips. Yep, I remember the so China. So I was like, yeah. I was like the criminal of the family because I was taking the switch for two weeks. Oh
0: yeah, or a week or Poor whatever. Kids. And it's like,
1: Dad, don't you dare take the switch to China, or I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't so you were like did okay. I? no i actually that's actually okay. when i bought the switch light i yeah, bought you were the like, switch well, light
0: i guess i'll uh... because <laughs> i
1: was getting threatened
0: <laughs> That's pretty, a pretty legit yeah so we'll have to see to... what the listeners if they're super gamers like us and and yeah, where well, they started I, I just felt like it aged us really quick because of course it was a millennial that posted that and the old school one was like dude that was like in my late 20s <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you have any of the classic the new classic consoles like the NES classic or the Super Nintendo Classic? The the new ones, they've oh, the released ones that released in the last couple remade, years. Yeah. The ones
0: that they've remade? I don't actually own those. I own I own some original systems. So I have original Nintendo, um, and then we have an original Sega that actually was Nicole's. She actually had yeah. an original Sega, which I didn't have. Nice. Uh we have a like a Genesis and some other you know the original xbox the big clunk the one that they show in the picture the giant monstrosity one you know the original xbox sure and then of course 360 etc whatever it might be but yeah it's it's pretty cool to look at those and go huh there was a lot of a uh, lot of memories. time great times yeah <laughs> yeah
1: and some of it doesn't age as well as we think it does it's It's in some cases it's better in your in your memory. Yes, it's like when you go back to play World of Warcraft. It's exactly the same as that. World of Warcraft was better in 2006. in your mind, uh, than it is playing WoW. WoW WoW, WoW Classic is actually really not that fun. Um, (laughs) Hashtag hashtag hot take. Okay. Um, You know, WoW WoW Classic remains classic because it's um, it's in my memory that way. Yeah. Well. Um, Yes. Totally. So, it's funny. You're. I, I'm going to make you talk about this one because the modest teacher is back in your in your in your zeitgeist. Yes.
0: Um, so, I, so, I like what the do modest we, what teacher do we talk now. now? Yeah. <laughs> I I'm taking him a lot lighter on some of his stuff, uh, some of his hot takes, uh, but this one was interesting. I. Uh, and I actually related to something that I talked about this week with several people, including you guys as far as in our in our d m chats um but basically, he writes the hybrid system is better than nothing, <laughs> and nothing is what the kids are learning and then and so I responded to him, and I'm like, "You really don't mean that and he's like, Yeah, it was a hyperbole, but you know it it it's really difficult, and my take was that I have this feeling it's not just at my school district. And I am just, I'm kind of getting that sense throughout the nation, all these different posts that with how difficult it is to do that, to do the hybrid teaching, uh, basically models that you have to teach synchronously kids that are in front of you and kids that are online. So that's the model I'm describing as far as hybrid. Um, That I think teachers are going to be like ready to take, let's call it the plunge, the risk, and just say, let's just do it face to face. And I've already heard that, not only locally, you know, at at my own district, almost school, but I've heard that a lot as far as people saying that and whatever might be. It's almost like that thing, Mike, this summer where crazy,
1: where people were no, I know,
0: where people were like, you know what, I'm tired of not being able to go to restaurants and hang out with people and whatever might be, you know, basically I'm tired of this thing. So my solution is to just go do, it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like so crazy. It's like, I'd just rather take the risk. I want to go to work. I want to go do these things and whatever comes is whatever comes. It's like, but this is I have just going to hard time yeah.
1: wrapping my head around how people don't Understand that this yeah. is by 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 the end of this year, yeah. a quarter of a million Americans will be dead. Oh yeah, from coronavirus.
0: We're almost at two hundred thousand. Yes, it's insane. It's,
1: it's a real thing, and yeah. just because you haven't gotten it doesn't make it less of a real thing. And what is worth your life? Like seriously, even your job. I, I mean, sorry, but teaching teaching might be like a career and your passion and what you really love to do and what you believe in and all that stuff but is it worth risking your life
0: yeah just because you
1: can't do it exactly the way you want to do it
0: and that's the thing and and i also see it again it could it is hyperbole in a way but i also have the feeling that in a way if the decisions were made to do that people wouldn't complain. do you know what I mean whereas at the beginning before this all began and and, and there were schools that were going to basically go face to face right from the beginning, we were all kind of going like, "What are you doing? you know we were questioning that and going like this is insane, you can't do this blah 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 where now I feel like people are like are are taking the ass uh, the 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 tone of well, at least we'll get to do what we know how to do and we know it's effective etc and i'm just like oh my god it's just yeah and the the other part of that that I'm i think j- thinking
1: i just don't i just don't think people are sufficiently scared seriously oh totally uh, someone, someone said that someone said something on a stupid social media thing said you know i'm an american and i'm not afraid of anything and i was like are you a, are you an idiot you, you, the the reason why you're in this mess is because you are not sufficiently afraid. No. I am absolutely, me personally, and yeah. this is like, I'm having a bad couple of weeks here right now, Yeah. Um, but I am absolutely convinced that if I get this, I will die. Like, uh, I, I mean, that's me personally, sure. and I'm telling you that living in that sort of fear is, it sucks, and it's not yes. fun, and I'm not comfortable doing it, but... It might be keeping me safe because I ain't going anywhere, and I'm certainly not going anywhere without a mask. Yeah. And I'm still—the only places I'm going is to get my damn groceries.
0: And and don't you think, too, Mike, that if this was more like a plague-like of thing—like, this is what I'm describing. Like, in other words, we could see it more. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like this silent killer. Uh, so in other words if it, they go if,
1: from their home to the hospital on it, a ventilator and then yeah, they die
0: if, if it if it if it marred you in other words it if it gave you you know whatever Maybe. kind of thing like some some kind I mean, of that's something gruesome to think about but i but know if what you're it saying. gave you something like where you were like you could fit you could see the physical effects we had on someone a more right visceral away, reaction you know? to it yeah. yeah and you could see that right off the bat and you were like, I don't want to get, I think people might then go, oh, gosh, I don't want, this is crazy. This is not, you know, the flu. This is something else. But without that, it seems like people are willing you're, to you're, go ahead and go, Yeah, you know, it's, I'm pretty healthy. I do what I'm supposed to do. Even if I get it, I'm going to be okay. It's like, but you don't you're really.
1: Not, you are not sufficiently afraid
0: yeah you really don't know and and it's it's sad and and the other part of this whole entire thing is the the part of taking the risk is how long we'll extend this? You know what I mean once't we, if, if, we if we're not safe and we don't do the things that we need to be doing to basically you know flatten the curve, or like you guys did in Canada, where you had days here recently where nobody got sick. It's like, mm. if you want those days. You got to do some work. <laughs> you got to do yeah, some things. Yeah, we're starting
1: to have days with no deaths in Canada. Yes,
0: yes. Um, and, so, and we're if still we want that.
1: we're still on a bit of an upswing in Ontario, yeah. um, related to like people coming Just down with it. it. Yeah. Um, but we were expecting that a little bit, especially with school starting. Sure. Uh, and school is mostly in person. Um, in Ontario, so um, I think we can expect that, but. Um, no all doubts, in all, though, it's in, yeah. in your I whole mean, country. I, I don't I mean, even know what to say to you guys down there, though. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's a super tough situation. And I think it's just one of those things that each week, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, they, there was a, a headline, I think earlier in the week, uh, of a teacher, I believe it was in South Carolina, uh, that passed away, you know, and it was just like, like we, we had called talk, it, we had talked it was going to gonna uh, happen. Yeah, we talked about that, that that was going to happen, and that... It's going to be kind of a thing that just is going to, that we're going to see, you know, that's going to just be, I don't want to say the norm, but it's just going to be one of those things that's going to happen. And and how long do we want to extend that? And that's the part where I'm just like, if we do the work now up front, we can at least, like they call it, flatten the curve and, and get back to some sort of normalcy. But without doing that, you know, it's God knows what it's going to be. 2022 i mean yeah uh, it's going to be a while so it's it sucks um and and um uh, i just don't know what to tell people it's going to be tough to, to change people's minds uh
1: our, our friend natasha yes um, posted a tweet uh and i think this was today. Yes. It this was. is this is like hot off the press actually. I, this yes. was like 2 hours ago. Um w- what's the most ridiculous <laughs> educational buzzword <laughs> of 2020? And then an hour ago uh, or or just after that she wrote phrases are also appropriate. Um yes. and and so so I've weighed in uh recently nice. um because I uh, she, I couldn't think of a word. I was trying to think of a word and hybrid is pretty high up on my yes. on my list of words that I'm I'm kind of done with. Um but um it's funny because when she said phrases I instantly thought of can you see my screen? <sighs> um <laughs> <Yes>. I <laughs> can you see my screen is the worst. <laughs> yes. It, there's I Yes, yes can you we can see, see your screen? screen, yeah, oh, my yeah, we're God. there, move on, please it's the worst oh, I'm my God. done with can you see my screen What? what's your did you think of anything yeah that's... yeah
0: I put uh, unprecedented but I saw that actually Dave uh, part of our team actually wrote that exact word and I'm like I, I didn't see his earlier but I was just like I said that today and I was like oh, I shouldn't have said that I was like but I couldn't come up with a better word. I, I need to come up with a better, hyper, a bigger vocab. Um, but I saw some great things on here. Instead of distance learning, I saw uh, Jeff uh, Plumman, who's who works in the Department of Education here, distant learning was a fantastic take. <laughs> I was like, I've heard that too. Oh, my God. Uh, Uh, There was just so many things on here. It's
1: a funny word. Yes. It's funny how um, I I was talking to someone the other day, and and also on this list, and you've weighed in on this one, is that uh, no one ever ever like talked about synchronous and asynchronous learning before like we used other words to kind of talk about stuff like that um, like educational words but now like everyone knows what synchronous (laughs) and asynchronous learning (laughs) is now um which is uh so good uh diana myers mcgee also on our team with yes. uncertain um there's actually a really good tiktok uh where it's a sales guy talking about like how his sales calls are going on the phone and he's like leaving messages and every time he leaves a message he's like and I realize in these uncertain times you never know. like in he, he says the word uncertain times so, so in like every times. one of them. He fits it into every phrase and it's so funny. My, um,
0: another favorite Dr. Will Bitmoji, Bitmoji. baby.
1: Yes. Solid. <laughs> so this is pretty entertaining. I Hopefully love it. this one goes for a while. It's yes. uh it's 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 going it's going well right now and uh we'll put it in our, our show notes and you can you can weigh in as much as you want here because uh (laughs) i think there's some words we're definitely done with um and uh and and phrases we're done with like can you see my screen or or um or your mic is muted yes your Um, mic is
0: muted (laughs) uh Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> or you have to un-
1: unmute some variation of you Please have to unmute, unmute your, your mic, mic or, yeah. or we can't hear you. <laughs> Which is funny because we had technical issues we just uh, talking had that to today. Becky <laughs> and totally just had that happen. So this list has come out um, uh, for the, I don't know how many years they've been doing it, but the 30 K12 IT tech influencers you should follow. Yes. Um, one of the cool things about this list, and we've been on this list a couple times um, this year, um, there are a lot of new faces, yes. which is really great. Uh, a lot more diversity in Big this time. list, I think, than in so previous happy. years, which uh, I noticed right away. And a lot of our friends uh, are on this list um, and and a lot of folks that have been on the podcast, um, you know, over half of them have been guests. Yes. Um, so so you know, congratulations to to all of those folks: Sarah Thomas, Vernon Wright, Ken Shelton, Adam File, Desiree Alexander, uh, and our and our boy, our boy Andrew.
0: Yes, Andrew Revolo on there. Uh, not only is he running for a school board seat and he's an educator and he gets this 30 K through 12 IT influence I'm super happy for him. Um, and what was awesome about that list, Mike is as I was showing uh, my wife, Nicole, uh, the list itself, I was just like, you know, what's amazing is we've brought these voices to our audience. You know, Mm. there's so many people and the people that we haven't, we're going to go reaching out to them and making sure that we do get them on the pod because we want their voices, but their, their voices, their ideas, the, the, just the amazing things that they have done and the diversity of this group is just super awesome and fantastic. And I, I, I mean, I can't say enough, uh, great job by, I think it's the EdTech Digest who puts this list out, um, and I think each year, you know, what's funny about this uh, that I think is funny is that in previous years, it could be like the 50 okay, sometimes it's 20, you know, like depending upon the, they, they move the number around a little How bit. How much
1: coffee the author had. Yeah. Depending that day, upon when who they, have, they, when they have who, to put it together,
0: who they decide to go ahead and go with and whatever it might be. But super fantastic. And congratulations to all of you guys. You soup, you not only deserve it, but I, we're happy to go ahead and, and make sure to, bring your voices to our audience and to many audiences out there and we want you back on the show to to continue to go ahead and and not only let us know how it's going but to, to let us know like okay what's the next steps in education and how can we get better you know in everything not just in uh you know distance learning hybrid teaching whatever it might be but also mm. in just equity itself too and how do we become better people better educators uh, and a lot of uh, these these guests, not a lot of them, but these guests uh, have done so much for our show and many, other, of course, for all of these students, too, uh, throughout the United States and in Canada, North America, let's call it. Absolutely. yes. So
1: congratulations to our friends. Uh, well done. When we come back, we're going to speak to another one of our friends, Becky Keene. So stay with us. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Becky Keen is the Director of Content and Professional Learning for Insight to Execution, a Minecraft global training partner. She's also the Director of Amazing Things with games-based learning startup digital labs recently sure. becky and kathy Kersnowski teamed up to write sail the seven seas with microsoft education and she joins us now welcome to on education becky Hello,
2: thanks for inviting me how fun
1: Excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Becky, if you could just take a few minutes. I, I did kind of the Kohl's notes one oh one on Becky Keen. Could you give us a little bit more detail about yourself, about what you do, um, and what's brought you to us today?
2: Oh, absolutely. So I'm an educator. Uh, that's the easiest answer, right? Um, I've been in public education for 20 years and I have taught uh, age 8 through 14. Um, and then I moved into a kind of a tech coach role. My school system was going one to one. So in 2005, I helped launch a pilot program that actually made national news in. Just in the fact that we were kind of the first of its kind in the US, you know, Australia was way ahead of us, but um, participated in that and then helped scale that initiative to our 30,000 students over the next decade, um, which has been an amazing opportunity. Um, I've been involved with the Microsoft education community, which I know you're both you know, familiar with, for a long time. And so it was kind of a natural next step to start doing some training around the U.S. Um, and now with my work, I actually have an updated title for you, Mike, Director of Operations now. Awesome. For, uh, uh, whoa, whoa I know. Um, hot <laughs> up the presses. So uh, for I2E, which is one of the Microsoft partners, and really we're an education consultant consultancy company. So we provide strategy and planning and and delivery for professional learning and strategic initiatives all over the US, which is super fun and exciting. And I feel like I get to impact, you know, more than the kids in my own classroom now Mm -hmm. um, have grown as a professional into a different type of impact, which is uh, just different and super fun and really engaging. And then we also have this a nonprofit affiliate figital labs. And I've been just honored to be invited to be a part of that community where we get to create game-based learning resources, extended reality resources, that kind of immersive experience uh, in education that's leading edge right now, um, not, not for some, but for you know, mainstream education. It's still kind of out there. So that's eSports, those types of things. And that's been, uh, really where I've grown as a professional in my journey um, too. So that's been really fun. And then yes, you, the book, you mentioned the book. we, Kathy and I wrote a book about educators and we can dig more into that, but that's been a, a really amazing experience, a bucket list item for me to publish a book for sure. So it's just been kind of a wild ride the last five years for sure.
0: Absolutely. So Let's first talk about Mike and I's favorite topic. If anybody, all the listeners of the podcast know that we mention this video game, this game specifically, almost every podcast, either because we're playing it or because we're talking about it or because the use of education, we're talking about Minecraft. And there's a two-part question. Uh, What got you into using Minecraft as an educational tool? And then when did you realize, Becky, that Minecraft would be a tool for teaching and learning? Or, or that you would know that it was a, the tool for teaching and learning that it is, actually is now.
2: Ooh, okay. So I was first introduced to Minecraft in education, ISTE, Philadelphia, 2015. Um, Stephen Reed was re- leading a workshop. That's the first time I ever saw him present awesome. and I kind of got it was packed. There were lines d- down and around the hallways all day and sh- don't tell, but someone kind of snuck me in the back um, so I could just sit on a <laughs> sit, like sit on the counter in the back of the room and just yeah. listen because I couldn't get in. And I kind of got a nice little hook up there and. And so that's when I first started hearing about it. And then I had a couple conversations with some other just amazing educators. Shane Asselstein, um was integral. I heard him speak at a conference. And he was the first person that I really heard delineate, this is what Minecraft does in a classroom, and here is the standard it aligns to. Um, and that was the next year at another conference. And that was uh, just mind blowing to me because I I don't self identify as a gamer. I didn't grow up playing a lot of um, video games. I love games, right? We all love to play. It's just not a world that I had spent a lot of time in. Um, and so, hearing that standards alignment spoke to my little educator heart, and I realized, oh. Oh, this can be used not only really, really creatively, and with you know project-based learning and problem-based learning, and to teach empathy and SEL and all these things, but it's also going to help me meet my standards. And that won me over. Um, so that was about four years ago, and I started um, digging a little deeper, attending you know the Minecraft workshops that I could get my hands on, um, and then oh, I have children at my house and Mm. started doing some Minecraft with them then a couple of years ago took it a step further and started hosting like neighborhood kids would swing by and I'd dole out Surface devices and they'd sit and play in my living room Um, and listening to them communicate and collaborate which I know are these like cliche words in education but I listened to it happen in my family room Um, I listened to kids planning and talking and encouraging and joking and having this wonderful experience that they really can't get any other way. And that was so exciting to me um to to hear that firsthand and hearing them talk about vocabulary you know the the end game inventory and talking to each other about what is this and what does it do and go look that up on wikipedia <laughs> and they're like try it. and they're learning so a, a couple of a couple of things kind of just tipped the scales for me um seeing it happen was obviously a huge part of that um and then i have gotten to be a part of digital lab since it began it's two over two years old now and being able to really dig into what does it take to build great content that that teachers could use anywhere in the world to teach certain things has been an amazing opportunity I think I answered both parts
1: I think you
2: nailed it. You're good. Well, the other thing I will add that I've had just the honor to do, um, again, because I have two children who are still young. Right now they're 10 and 12. And so I was able to volunteer um, at one of my children's schools and lead a Minecraft club. So not this last school year, but the one previous, I was there every week for months leading a Minecraft club with a group of kids I would go in every Monday, right? You have to do Minecraft clubs on Mondays because of the alliteration, but we, we went in every Monday and, and so I got to actually work with ages nine through uh, probably eight through 11 every week for months, which was also an amazing experience for someone who's not regularly in a classroom anymore to have that grounding of this is really what it looks like to have kids working and playing and learning together in the game. And I think that's really important.
0: So, Becky, I, I was wondering, it whenever I uh, speak about Minecraft or introduce it to any teachers as an instructional coach or I'm at a conference or whatever it might be, I can sense that there's this hesitation from the teacher end, like this mm-hmm. fear. I always want to call it a fear. Even knowing how to go ahead and just step into it, you know, how to even get started. And, and you right. give them all of these different ideas about you could do this or this. And it's almost like super overwhelming, you know, kind of thing. Right. where you were speaking about kind of having some, a place to begin. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? Like a place where you can step in and, and they have this world already kind of ready to go and then you can customize it to fit those things. Is that what you guys were imagining when you started? I mean, when you guys are working on these things, I'm sure you have teachers that you have in mind that are not gamers like me and Mike where we're like, oh, yeah, we already kind of know what we want to go in and do and we're not afraid, right. basically. But more right. like... These people that are wanting to take a dive into it, but mm-hmm. aren't even sure exactly, you know, where to start and kind of need need a lead in, you know, kind of need a sample world, need something to go ahead and kind of kick it off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is, is is that something that's, I mean, as you guys are sitting there, you're creating those worlds.
2: So you're asking me a two-part question, whether you knew it or not. <laughs> um, the, so the, the first thing that I have to stop and say is that the reason you and mike for example don't have any trouble diving in is because you have motivation so we all have that in different areas of our lives for example i was highly motivated to learn how to use a electric pressure cooker the instant pot you know brand a couple of years ago because i was like this will save me time making my family healthy meals if, if you have no motivation to do that, you don't care about learning how to use the new kitchen appliance, mm, right? Yes. So I relate that to teachers a lot because all teachers learn how to do new things all the time. It's because they have selected that new skill or new way they're going to deliver content in their classroom because they're motivated, because they see purpose and value and it's interesting to them. So... I I want to call that out because usually when I I do a lot of, you know, speaking and professional development opportunities and speaking with system leaders, and usually their teachers are already learning lots of other stuff. And they're like, oh, our teachers, you know, they're just really overwhelmed right now. And I say, you know, that's funny because they're learning, you know, how to download stuff off maybe teachers pay teachers and upload that to their Google Classroom (laughs) and have people print it out and then take a picture and then email it back. Like... They're learning things that are motivating to them. So the first part of your two-part, not two-part question is yes. teachers have to have a motivation, and that comes with having a reason and a purpose that has value to them personally. Mm. So we Good have point. to start with that, right? And and that's different for everyone. So to segue you back into what you really asked, which was, is that what we were trying to do with Fidget Labs? Yes. So... We chose different lessons when we started with the Fidget Lab's content based on needs that we knew specifically existed that we could fill with Minecraft that didn't already have a space. So I'll give you an example. Here, I live in Washington State, and in Washington, you know, like every other state, we teach our state history content. And generally, teachers have, like, minimal resources to do that, and it's not a super interesting topic to a lot of people. It it happens to be to me because I taught it and loved it, but we started with a unit that we knew the Washington State History Museum here would love, that teachers would immediately see value in because they're already having to teach this unit and they don't like the way they do it. So finding that, that solution point is really important. Um, So teachers were able to see, oh, my word, I already teach these six things, but I didn't have a good way to do that. And now I can put my kids in this Minecraft world and they'll learn all of the standards I was supposed to teach them already. Um, And it can be mainly student driven. So that's the other piece Mm. is in the world of Minecraft. We have this pendulum, right, of teachers uh, like the Ben Kellys of the world who are making these, you know, massive amazing worlds and projects and that's so overwhelming to yes. so, ma- so many
0: so <laughs> many so many yes right
2: we have the the kids who are doing amazing things on their own because their teacher has allowed that to happen yes right the steve isaacs kids who are making these rube goldberg projects that are off the hook and then you have um teachers who are like i, I don't i can't ever get there And so for them to have an entry point that is really simple and straightforward, um, but also doesn't require them to have a lot of skill at the start is really important Um, because everybody starts somewhere and, you know, right, we open a, a Word doc and it's blank. Like you're, and that's like opening a blank Minecraft world and that's really scary. And we don't give teachers curriculum that's blank Word documents and say, you know fill this in go go teach math like we give them content so it's really important to us to give them a world to start with and then they can go from there
1: i like that that's a that's a cool analogy right there um so the book let's talk about the book so i was so i was so excited to get a copy of the book uh just a couple weeks ago and um and uh honored to have you know lent uh uh, an endorsement to it inside uh which was super exciting it's it's a great book and what i love the most about it is that it's centered around 21st century skills it's not hey Let me show you these Microsoft tools and how great they are and how you use them. Um, We got enough of that nonsense, you know, from just about anybody (laughs) right now. Um, We don't need more of that necessarily, I think. And you actually articulated that a little bit when you were talking about Minecraft, about not needing necessarily to learn how to use the game, but learning how it applies to Mm -hmm. my teaching. Um, and you've done that with this book. You 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 didn't just focus on the tools. You focused on how it applies to twenty first century skills. The seven. Yes. Yeah. Did you know there and, were seven? And <laughs> uh, I maybe, um, but I couldn't have told you them all off the right. top of my head. But um, I want to know uh, a little bit more about the book. Tell tell our listeners about the book in general, um, and how you settled on i i love talking to writers about their process and about the choices that they make in terms of actually writing a book um and how you settled on this as kind of like the framework um for for writing the book
2: well that that is easy to answer because it it was so it um I Actually, I don't use this word very often, but it was a little bit magical. So I had actually been approached to be a part of a, a different writing team, and it, for lots of reasons, didn't work out. And then someone came to me and said, hey, what if what if you just wrote this with one other person, and what if you just did a book? And I immediately thought of Kathy, who I actually didn't know super well at the time, but I, I knew her some. We'd met and everything, and I just thought felt like she would be such a great person. It wasn't, quote, my project. You know, we were like, who do we, who do I, who do I want to do this with if I could pick anyone? And I was like, I just feel like Kathy would be such a great person to work with. So, what was amazing is when Kathy and I got back together about a month later and met with Shelly Burgess to talk over, you know, what our thoughts were, Kathy and I hadn't had a chance to brainstorm together at all. And yet we came to this discovery call with almost the exact same idea. Um, which is totally magical and mind-blowing and wonderful. We both wanted to kind of frame the book out around the seas. We didn't have seven at the time. We just were like, we really like the seas. And we both wanted to highlight not only our experiences, but the experiences of other educators around the world, because I have learned the most and been the most humbled and amazed when I've been able to connect with teachers you know and the other five continents. Hmm. And so we we really wanted that voice. And neither of us wanted it to be a how-to book. There's room for how-to books with screenshots and click here do this go here do this. That's that's wonderful and that's a niche for a lot of people, but that's done not with it, where
1: Becky, I'm done that, with it.
2: <laughs> that's I'm not where we it. wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> no. We we wanted to give inspiration uh we wanted something that would be evergreen and right and not outdated yep. this, the second microsoft updates which is all the time and so we were really excited about that and it's been so amazing like i can't even explain the feeling when somebody you know tweets to to me or to us or sends a dm or whatever and they're like i loved this idea Thank you for capturing and sharing it. I'm going to do it with my students. Or the little pictures of, like, post-it notes. I It's just so amazing to me that other people would be motivated, encouraged, and inspired by what we've put together. And that's, yeah. uh, like, it's just the best feeling. Um, so, yeah, that was our goal, really, is to, is, is, yeah, inspire.
1: It's awesome. Um, so, I really do like, I even love... Um, almost every product that microsoft gears towards education obviously minecraft that's a heavy Um,
2: endorsement my you know
1: definitely definitely flipgrid i mean these are great products and they're super powerful and probably the two in particular minecraft and flipgrid the two best products for teaching and learning in their categories but beyond a shadow of a doubt
2: but oh whoa 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 you're not overshadowing OneNote, my heart, what are you doing?
1: Just give me a minute here
2: okay, okay. I was like, what is happening okay but I'll be quiet. there
1: is but there is one Microsoft product <laughs> that i that I loathe
2: oh, no. and, and, and,
1: and so and I'm notorious on the podcast for shading it all the time so. Um, I'm. I you are an expert, and so I uh, you are here now, and you're going to make the case for Teams, because <laughs> I hate Microsoft Teams. I've never had a good experience on it. But oh, obviously, man, there's never a, such a strong well, word. Never, never. I'm. I. Okay. I. I know. You know. Well,
2: I'll tell you the same make the, thing make I've the told. Case. Okay, to so many people. If you don't like it, I wasn't your trainer. Like that's easy. Uh, first that, of all, that's
1: a power move right there. That's actually something I would say too.
2: <laughs> I've said that like in a crowded room before. Well, you didn't come to me. Like I, you would have loved it. So sure. I have to. I have to bounce back to you. Like, what is it you don't like? Is it UI? Is it you? You love Discord because I can't answer that without knowing your your pain point.
1: Oh, here we go. Uh, I mean, I've never had um, good like. Service like in terms of like the connections, the audio quality, video quality. Um, when other services have been virtually perfect, almost every other service I've used has. I've never once had a problem with even like Zoom, which everyone is like hating on sometimes right now. I, yeah. I mean, but like I'll go, I'll do a Teams call and a Zoom call in the same day. Like so, I know it's not me. I have a, you know, a top of the line computer and a massively overpowered network I mean it's 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 generally not me um, so there's been that and then it's just like I've had connection issues I've had communication issues um, I've never felt like I could collaborate and communicate with people on it in the ways that I would have wanted um, certainly you know switching profile like there's just
2: a laundry <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: list of things um, yeah. and again maybe it's just that I haven't been doing them right uh, and I'm totally open to that being the possibility,
2: well, okay, so I have to tell you, just like anything it's it's about workflow, comfortability, right? So I am very comfortable getting an I am on teams in one profile and then a notification that I'm you know have one in another profile like that doesn't that doesn't throw me. There's a lot of people that just – that's like their core irritation. Like I can't stand that I have this stuff over here. Or there's a lot of people that that like things segmented, right? Like I'm going to join this Zoom call and I'm going to take notes over here in my Word document or my OneNote or my Google Keep or wherever. And then I'm going to go – like there's people that that's their comfort zone. Mm. I like Teams – um, for what I do, I can honestly tell you that it's reduced my workload because the things that I need to get to are all in one place. Um, whether it's a chat with my internal team at I2E, which we are, we use teams all day, every day. It's all we use. Um, or, you know, one of my, um, content writers has uploaded a file and I'm on my phone and they're asking for feedback. I I can do, literally everything I need to do from either the Windows desktop app, the web browser, or I have an iPhone or from my phone um, from the Teams app Uh, and having that one landing place where everything lives, communication, calendar, files, notes, threads, you know, everything in one spot that then links me out is, is just absolute efficiency for me. I don't like Having to like, like, oh no, this is on a different app, and I have to go find you know the, the login and care about what browser I'm in and and all of that. And I I like the way it, it workflows. Now I've been using Teams regularly for three years, mm. so, right? So um, I led the first Teams training for education in the U.S. Yeah, and so I,
1: I use it when I'm forced to right and that's, a, and, that's a huge experience gap you know yeah for sure well
2: and and there's again there's a lot to be said about comfortability where when i am on a zoom call because that's what i've been invited to i <laughs> i'll tell you i feel so lost i'm like mm. i even i even said to my son the other day why is it taking over my entire screen this drives me crazy and he's like yeah okay you gotta like Pop it out and then set here. And I was like, I don't understand why it does. I hate that, you know? So that's because that's not what I'm comfortable with. I'm comfortable uh-huh. with this Teams rap that leaves open and pervasive chat. I'm sorry, but that alone should, like, I once, we were in a Zoom call and someone was like, yeah, I'll post that to the chat. I was like, great. A week later, I'm like, oh, where's that resource? Oh, that was on a call. So I did a search in Teams thinking it was going to come up. And it took me a solid, like, five minutes of digging. And finally, I was like, that's on a Zoom call. It's gone. It's gone. I have no idea where that resource went. I actually ran into that just
1: the other day with Zoom. I, I realized how much I hate that, too.
2: It's Yeah, it's... Yeah, so that's hard for oh, me. you might just have, you might have got me compete. right
1: just right there. Maybe Pers- I mean that persistent a- chat is yeah,
2: it's pretty nice. And honestly, I just I just started doing this in Teams, so I have like the chats that I'm in all the time with my yeah. team, you know, all pinned, and it's just so easy and fast to communicate with the people you work with all the time. Um. And, and so the other tip and trick that I will tell you is that I have, um, so I have like Teams desktop that I live in all day. Teams on my phone that on mobile, it's super easy to switch back and forth between profiles. That's where they've Mm. totally landed that is in mobile. I, I don't know why we can't land it elsewhere, but I'll tell you it's beautiful in mobile. And then I use the, um, in Edge Chromium, you can install Teams as an app. Because I'm in actually in two profiles a lot, the Microsoft tenant and my tenant and so on. And so I just, I have two running all the time. Because mm-hmm. so when you're on a PC, you have that flexibility of like being in lots of tenants at once. And I think people sometimes get hung up on, I can only launch this one window. <laughs> when in reality, you can run several, just like you would have tabs in your browser. Mm-hmm. Right? Same idea. We're all comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I say more than one instance of Teams, people are like, whoa, that's too much. Like, no, it's not. It's It's a
1: bridge too far, Becky Keene. A bridge too far. You can
2: do that.
1: So some (laughs) of it is
2: comfort. Some of it is flexibility. Some of it is they're, you know, they're behind on breakout rooms. That's huge in education. Yeah. It's coming. It's rolling out now. Um, But if I was going to tell you why to use Teams, I would say it is your one landing place for everything and it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it it's like anything. It's you're not like, oh, magic fairy dust, I opened teams and now everything is here. It's beautiful. Like it takes time and it also takes organizational uh, alignment. Sure. Where right? Like my whole team at I2E is totally like we're in on teams and that makes life really easy. But if we have a couple team members who are still like, I'm going to email you this attachment, like it ruins all the benefits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, no, don't do that. Um, (laughs) Like you just cost me five minutes of save attachment, upload it back to a shared space. so We can collaborate.
1: Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, Becky, where can people connect with you online? Where can they go to buy the book? Um, And how can they reach out to you if they have more questions about uh, Microsoft Teams?
2: (laughs) Or, you know, any of the other things I talk about. Um, (laughs) Like, you know, best practices in education, but whatever. Uh, I would be happy to be your Teams trainer. And you can find me at beckykeen.com. Uh, is really a good landing page it has uh a, about my professional book club that I do with Mike Lawrence it uh hooked book club it talks about the uh, the book we wrote uh it's got a link there to my newsletter it has both companies I work for um what I you know speak on and love some of my credentials sometimes people want to hear like you know are you really qualified to talk to people about education so all that is there, BeckyKeen.com. All, that is there. all my social. You, I love to connect on Twitter, especially it's my favorite one for connections. Um,
1: Fantastic.
2: So yeah, all of that is there.
1: Awesome, Very Becky easy. Keen. Becky Keen, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks, Mike, and thanks for always using my last name.
0: Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod, Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram, at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in the Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.